The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, November 5th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Camel fighting Dodo Birds and Leaky Black Matt Norlander is here with me. And today, in anticipation of the 2021-22 season that starts in in four days, we're going to focus on some big predictions, final four picks, sleeper teams, so on and so forth. But before we get into that, let me remind you, uh, especially if you're new here or back after taking off the offseason, let me remind you where Norlander and I disagree on what are typically the seven best conferences in college basketball. In the American Uh, We both have Memphis winning the league over Houston. In the ACC, we both have Duke. In the Big 12, we both have Texas, which seems mildly disrespectful to Kansas. In the Big East, we both have Villanova. In the Pac-12, we both have Mick Cronin's UCLA Bruins. So we're on the same page at the top of those five conferences, but we're not on the same page in the Big 10 or the SEC. In the Big 10, I got Michigan winning it. Norlander's got Purdue. In the SEC, I have Arkansas Norlander has Alabama. So let me ask you this, Deadleg. Which of those teams are you less sure of as a likely conference champion heading into this season, Purdue or Alabama? I'll give you that in just a second. But first of all, Mm. you said disrespectful to Kansas. While that that could well be true, as someone who had to publish his annual – United States of college basketball this week and across the great state of Texas was a big old longhorn logo instead of the reigning national champions just here. I'm here to report the Baylor fans have found me. They have very much found me and are, and they are not happy. And again, this is a projection of the season ahead last year before, before last season, guess what logo was there? A big old BU, but this season. So when you say it's disrespectful to Kansas, you just riled up the Baylor fan base even more. No, 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 no. I'm Baylor knows I'm ride or die. I'm, I've been, I've been, I've been with Baylor from the jump. You're the one that's been constantly disrespecting that program and everybody in in the Drew family, including the little dog Huck. Huck, who could forget Huck? You're not ride or die right now. You're with me, Texas, to win the Big Twelve. That's not ride or die. Yeah, but my heart's with Baylor. Okay. My brain is with Texas, but my heart is with Baylor. My favorite thing about the uh, in, uh, map of the United States College, however you say it, um, was New York being St. Bonaventure. <laughs> I love second it. Time, second time in four years. Syracuse fans by far the most just completely butthurt over this. Completely. But it's by every objective measure. Bonnie's supposed to be better. I woke up this morning. I was... I was uh, I really, I was just having fun with one Syracuse fan, and they're like, "New York is a joke," and so I quote tweeted it, and I said, "No, Stephen, the joke is the fact that Syracuse let St. Bonaventure pass it by as a program." Mm-hmm. And I said this like two days ago, so I woke up, checked my verified mentions, and it had been favorited by Woj. 
favorite of the and this was not like a tweet like he saw in real time like i don't know i don't know how he came across it It was it was all too funny anyway as to your question hakeem hakeem warwick is rolling over in his grave okay former first team all-american hakeem Warwick. by the way uh we are going to be wrong i'm going to say this right now the fact that we agree on five of the seven and again, if you have not listened, if you're just picking up now, season's getting ready to roll. We previewed all of these conferences. Go dive in, get that goodness for you real quick uh, and get a, a, you know, a deep dive on each of these leagues. But the fact that we agree that Memphis, Duke, Texas, Nova, and UCLA are all going to win, we are just destined to be wrong on one of those. Uh, but as to your specific question, who do I think is more likely that I will be wrong about? I would say, I would say, I'm more confident that Purdue will win the Big Ten than Alabama will win the SEC. And that's because I think Purdue's the better team. Uh, And the distance between Bama, Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, I've got more on Tennessee coming in a bit. Um, That just leads me there. And when we did this and kind of prep for this pod, I guess I knew, but I had forgotten that we, I thought, I was like, okay, we'll go over the ones that we just, just, you know, remind the listeners, where do we disagree on who's winning these leagues? And I thought for whatever reason, we had like three or four differences. The fact is, it's just the Big Ten and the SEC, and it's only not surprising in this regard. Those are the two leagues that are considered to be the biggest toss-ups, as we previewed on those conference look-ahead episodes. Those are the ones that are just considered the, big, the biggest toss-ups. You know, you can make an easy case for UCLA, super easy for Nova, compelling one for Memphis, uh, Duke, understandably, and then Big 12, say what you will, Kansas, Baylor, and Texas. You know, um, Texas is 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 the one that going into the season, um, a lot of people think have the best chance to do it. So for me, it's it's Bama over Purdue. I'm 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 all in on the Boilermakers. Yeah, I'm also in less sure about my SEC prediction than anything else, and it's only because I think there's at least four teams on paper that can win that league, and there's not much difference between those teams. It's obviously Arkansas, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky. You know, uh, as I, you know, in the preseason top 25 and one, I've got those teams 10th, 12th, 14th, 16th. At Kempom, I think it's 13, 15, 17, 19. They're all right there together. And, you know, over the weekend, Tennessee had an exhibition, and it's just an exhibition, but Kennedy Chandler looked awesome. And if he's going to be awesome, then they're going to be really good. Um, every time I look at Kentucky's roster, I like it more. Multiple ball handlers, multiple shooters, uh, a, a physical presence in the middle in Oscar Shibwe. Um, you know, Alabama's, I, I don't think there's any doubt they've got a chance to be, you know, outright back, uh, you know, back-to-back outright SEC champions. And if Nate Oates is able to pull that off, he'd be the first coach to do it. Uh, since Billy Donovan did it in back-to-back years at, at Florida, and then Arkansas is actually my pick. <laughs> so I so I love those other three teams, but I picked Arkansas. I think that's a total toss-up. I, I, I'm obviously not predicting this, but if you told me those four teams finished within one game of each other or tied with each other, that wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world to me. Agreed. Um, I'm just I'm I'm excited to see where we wind up being a little askew or off in the top 10 to 15 overall with all our teams there. And I think that those two leagues specifically, again, the sec is super fascinating because of the teams at the top. It just, it seems like a wide open race there. And I think the potential for one of those teams to underwhelm us, I think is also a possibility. If you're going to have three or four teams that are in the mix to win the league, I think there's a chance that one of those teams just doesn't quite hit. They get to the tournament, but they just wind up being closer to an eight, nine, 10 seed, as opposed to being in the running for two, three, four seed. I also think will be on the table. And it's a matter of what team will that be? And specifically in the SEC, is it going to be 
Like, will Musselman be able to carry over with a lot of roster turnover year over year? Kentucky, obviously, after having just a horrendous season, will they be able to bounce back or will we see kind of more of the same? Tennessee, underwhelmed. Can they play to what we think that they can uh, they can be? And then Alabama brings back plenty of talent, but it's not a program that's accustomed to being in the top 25 annually. So I'm just intrigued to see if we, uh, if we wind up being right. You said 10, 12, 14, 16 in your rankings. Will those four maintain their status for most of the season in the top 25? We'll find out soon enough. So Deadleg and I um, only have one matching projected Final Four team. We're going to get into Final Four teams next. But first, check this out. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time just like me, and also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiori gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viori.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So Norland and I only have one matching projected Final Four team. Surprise, surprise, it's Gonzaga. We both have Mark Few in the Final Four for what would be the third time in a five-tournament span. This is the biggest problem with that stupid tournament getting canceled is you can't say third time in six years because it misrepresents the... You just, you just say three out of the past six tournaments. That's what you got to do. You just well, got to reference the tournament on its own timeline. Well, you know? it'd be three out of three would be for Gonzaga. If they get there, it'd be three out of the past five. Right. Yeah. But it'll be three in the past six years. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> I wish I, if for no other reason, if you're looking for another reason, I hate this dumb pandemic. It, it's because it, it, it makes me phrase things uh, in ways that we didn't tip. We didn't have to, phrase them in, in pre-pandemic times. It's a nightmare we're dealing with here. So uh, we both have Gonzaga in the final four. After that, uh, we don't agree on other teams. So mm-hmm. round out yours. What does it look like? All right. As I round out mine, a reminder that Parrish and I approach this practice differently. I know we've talked about this on the podcast, and if you've tracked our picks in the previous years on the site, um, Parrish likes to go by his rankings. That To me, that's that just almost never happens. Literally, there's been one time ever where all the one seeds made the final four. Trivia time, what year? Oh, come on, man. I know. 2008. I know, super easy. Chalmers for the tie. Exactly. Dozier for the championship. Exactly. 
our managing editor, Adi, hit me up. Adi Joseph hit me up on Wednesday. He said, trivia times are getting too easy, man. I know all the answers. So I got to step my game up. And that's another example. Don't worry. You've given me 2008 Final Four like seven times. (laughs) I know everything about the 2008 Final Four. I got to keep this competitive. So anyway, with that in mind, uh, I don't pick what I think will be the four best teams because the tournament never gives us. I like to have a little bit of fun, give you some good teams, but usually throw in at least one quasi wild card, a team that I think will be very good top 25 level, but not necessarily a one seed or maybe not even a two seed. So final four, I go Gonzaga. I go Purdue. Uh, which I think will be a number one seed coming off a Big Ten regular season championship. I won't speak to the Big Ten tournament. Who the hell knows what's going to go on there? But I will have Purdue on the one line getting there. I will have a second Big Ten team in New Orleans. And I'm going to go with Illinois because I'm going to go all in on Kofi Coburn. Basically, Coburn, Drew Timmy, Paulo Bancaro, more on those guys in a little bit later on in this episode, but those guys really giving us a compelling national player of the year race. So those three, so Illinois breaks through, call maybe give me Illinois on the two line, and then a team that I think will either be a three or four seed that I'm going to pick to break on through. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Volunteers, the team I don't have winning the SEC, might not even be second in the standings at the end of the regular season, the SEC, but Fulkerson, John Fulkerson, I think will have a huge year. You got Josiah Jordan-James, who I think will be very improved. Talk to a knowledgeable NBA scout on Tuesday. Swears Kennedy Chandler is going to be the first point guard picked in the draft. So with that in the back of my mind, I'm saying, okay, I want to pick a reasonable team, but someone that's not like in the top six or seven. Let's have a little bit of fun with this. Um, They have enough size, some good new talent, enough returning. So, yeah, give me the Vols. So that's my four. Gonzaga, Purdue, Illinois, Tennessee. I love Josiah Jordan-James. He is the rare first name hashtag, uh, first name dash hyphen. (laughs) I knew I would get that symbol correct at some point. What Did you know hashtag there? (laughs) I I just said, I think I'm so used to saying hashtag. I just said hashtag. It's clearly not a hashtag. It's It's a hyphen. The hyphenated first name. Is he the only hyphenated first namer in college basketball? Oh, man, there was someone else. This is when the this is where the users and listeners are going to help us out. There was someone else recently who had it, and I can't remember it. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts, Parrish. Why do you do this to me? There was someone else. How, do you, even, how do you even get a, a, a hyphenated first name? Like, how's that happen? You got me, man. I don't know. Like, how I, don't, that- I don't know. I don't know the process of how that happens. There was someone else, though. Why like, can't I think? It? Should I consider it? Am I too old? Yeah. I think once you hit your 30s, the, the opportunity has passed you by. I think in, I think just generally speaking, I'm too old for anything at this point. But I would like to, I, I just because he didn't used to be that. Oh, he was, I, he was just Josiah James. And then I looked up one day and he was Josiah Jordan. Hyphenated. I missed this. We got to get a story on. Somebody's got to get to the bottom of this. How is the athletic not written about this yet? <laughs> How have they not gone to Knoxville? Yeah. Four thousand word deep dive feature. Come on now, wow! I love, but I love his game. So that's my that's my wild card pick. Um, I I like Tennessee. Um, the idea, and I don't agree. I, I don't disagree with your knowledgeable NBA scout like Kennedy Chandler. He's just terrific. I mean, he he knows how to run a team. He can make a shot. He's a winner. 
and I know these labels get thrown around pretty loosely sometimes, but like he really like he he has the resume to back up everything I'm saying. Like he he is as far as I know. Ooh, trivia time! Oh boy, let's go. Uh, this, this let the record show this is not a trivia time because I've already said there's really no good way to ask it. Okay, <laughs> getting the obvious answer. As far as I know, the only Memphis player, Memphis native, to ever win a Peach Jam title, and he won it from Oak Elite. Yeah, there's no, there's no way of me verifying or even knowing that that's true. So I think it's true. Okay, I'm gonna say it's true. I know, I, I know, I never watched Team Penny win a PCM title, so that's all I can say. They come close, but they never did it. So he's he's won state titles. Um, he's with Mr. Basketball in two, I think, Kansas and Tennessee throughout his high school career because he transferred to Sunrise Christian as his senior year. Uh, the only thing with him that would be a concern is that he's little. I mean, he's a he's a he's a little guy. But, um, you know, but, but, you know, he's, he's a special talent and you put him on a roster that's got so many productive guys coming back like Josiah Jordan James and Victor Bailey and John Fulkerson. Um, I'm, I don't have him in my final four because I don't have him in my top four, but don't put a ceiling on what Tennessee can be this, this season. They, they can, they can do the whole thing, I think, because, um, the, the returning pieces are good enough, and 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 the freshman point guard, he's special. Um, you're right. We don't take the same approach with this. I find it nonsensical to pick somebody that you don't think is one of the best four teams in the country to go to the Final Four, although I recognize it, ha- it, 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 it the, doesn't the, happen. The best four teams almost never yeah. end up in the Final Four. But I'm always just going to go one, two, three, four in the top 25 and one, and those are my Final Four teams. So it's Gonzaga, UCLA. Texas and Kansas. Although I will say, and again, just an exhibition, but the reviews on Remy Martin's <laughs> debut with the Jayhawks were seemed to be mixed, like that uh, he showed um, a, a special playmaking ability that uh, was missing last season from the backcourt at Kansas, frankly, but that he, you know, he can get a little. He can get a little wild sometimes, which certainly is his his reputation. But I'm obviously betting on him to be really good because I'm betting on Kansas to be really good. This is what um, I think your uh, your longtime Twitter buddy Jesse Newell, who covers Kansas locally, love Jesse. He this is his tweet from from Wednesday night. I don't really know how to describe this, but Bill Self has been upset on the bench throughout this whole Remy run. He's scoring, yes, but tough shots and not within the flow of the offense. Weird dynamic already. They haven't played a regular season game. This is the preseason Big 12 player of the year. This is the Remy Martin experience. He will be able to fill it up. Very fun player. Sometimes can maybe turn a possession upside down. So we shall see. I maintain Martin will be good. He will not be Kansas's best player. I think that will be Ochai Abaji. But I do like your pick there. Your picks, you know, Gonzaga, UCLA, Texas, Kansas. Um, that would be the rare. That would be the rare case of all four final four teams west of the Mississippi. We almost never get that. In fact, we got it last season for, I think the first time, this is off the top of my noggin. I want to say 97, maybe. Nah, 97 when I had Kentucky. It had been forever. Last season, you had Baylor, Gonzaga, UCLA, Houston, four programs west of the Mississippi. Usually minimum, we have one. Most of the years, we have at least two or three. But you're going uh, four central time zone and beyond. Those are your top four, Gonzaga, Bruins, Horns, 
Jayhawks. And let me just ask you this, because I know your answer is not going to be Gonzaga. If you're, if one of those teams is going to kind of just flutter askew a little bit and you you would think would be most vulnerable to landing on say the four five or six line, as opposed to being a one, two or three seed, which you project them to be given your rankings. Would you say UCLA after last season? Would you say Texas with all of its new components and Chris Beard in year one? Would you say Kansas after what is a lot of people might not realize this. I can't remember if we mentioned this on the pod, but I definitely noted it uh, on the site in one of my pieces I wrote last season was, was statistically per Ken Palm, like one of the poorest Kansas seasons in close to 20 years so with those facts as backdrop which one would you say is most likely to just uh maybe underperform i have made this point before i think some of that and some of what happened at duke and some of what happened at kentucky because they didn't have those incredible home court advantages that they usually have i, I think that impacted the quality of those basketball teams and and and, and certainly played a role in kansas um you know being sort of whatever relative to what it normally is and I don't think it's a coincidence that Bill Self took his worst loss ever in terms of point differential inside Allen Fieldhouse in a time where Allen Fieldhouse had limited capacity. That won't be the case this season. Um, so um, good luck going in there and winning. Uh, I, I believe in all these teams. I don't really I'm not skeptical of any of them. I mean, it's it's not just four good rosters. It's four great coaches. You know, sometimes you can look at a roster and people will be like, yeah, but the coach is you know, quite, you know, I don't, I just can't believe in that coach. You know, that gets said sometimes about some teams. Well, with these top four in my top 25 and one, I don't think you, you can't intelligently question any of the coaches. They're all terrific with a proven track record, well-respected within the sport by their colleagues. So I think they're all going to be really good, but if you had to pull one, to say, yeah, if they ended up a five seed instead of a one seed, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Maybe Texas, just because it's so many new pieces. And it's so many new pieces, uh, you know, from places that just didn't win. That's right. They they enrolled a lot of talented dudes. Ain't none of them ever really won anything. And so can Chris Beard take them and, you know, and, 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 develop them and figure out rotations and turn it into a winner. Yes. I clearly, I believe that I've got him in the final four, but that is what he'll have to do. I, I don't mean this as bluntly as it sounds, but he's going to have to turn a lot of losers into winners. And um, he, he's obviously equipped to do it uh, based on what he's done at little rock and Texas tech, but that is what he will have to do. Whereas all Mark few's got to do is just keep doing what he's been doing. You know, all Mick Cronin's got to do is continue to be the best coach in UCLA basketball history. And all Bill Self has to do is, you know, do what he's been doing for, you know, decades now. Fair enough. Now, those are our final four picks. Let's go to national title game. I assume you are going same method here. You're not going to, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not predicting no, no minor upsets in the national semifinals, right? Nope. Gonzaga against UCLA for the second year in a row. Can Johnny Juzang put the Bruins over the top this time? Well, how about this? Let's go. Let's go double preview here. Gonzaga wins last season. These teams are going to meet again later this month in Las Vegas. Are what is at the end of this season? If your predictions, uh, if you at least the, at least if the game happens, right, they'll have met three times in a year span. Gonzaga right now is one and zero. What will be Gonzaga's record against UCLA at the end of the season if 
your championship game matchup prediction is accurate. Three and oh. All right. You got UCLA going 0 and 3. You're going to spot a pattern. I find it difficult to pick teams that I don't think are as good as the other team to beat them. I hear you. I'm just trying to have a little bit of fun here. All right. So you got Gonzaga over UCLA. That would be, by the way, yes, there are better final game things. Like you put Duke in the title game in Mike Krzyzewski's final year. Duke versus anyone is going to beat out any other potential game you could have, right? That's what you want. I, honestly, you know what you want every year. I, I don't want to speak for my uh, CBS executives, but you want Kentucky against Duke every year. <laughs> like, yeah. yes. like that's why 2015 was such a missed opportunity. You could have had undefeated Kentucky mm-hmm. against Duke in the national title game, but that that old Sam Decker and Frank Kaminsky screwed it up. They got Deckard. You're right. Um, so, with that being said, the best possible matchup might be Gonzaga versus UCLA in the national title game after it being a rematch in season and a repeat of what's one of the five best games in NCAA tournament history, as far as I'm concerned, uh, from last season there. So you would have Gonzaga going 3-0 and in that spot. If I had Gonzaga versus UCLA in the national title game, I would agree with you. I do not. My pick, um, I, I went with the teams that I think will be the two best teams, but I'm going to give you a little upset flavor. So... Again, we're going to look up back on this in like seven weeks and I'm going to be just rightfully just destroyed because what am I doing? But speak, speak for yourself. I will never look back on this. <laughs> as soon as we as soon as as soon as I shout out Devin Downey, I'm done with this forever. Well, here's here's the thing. As a reminder, this is our last for everyone listening. This is our last podcast that is only on audio form. All the other podcasts coming are still going to be on audio. However, you're listening to this. Whatever service, nothing's changing there. But we are going to video starting next week, every episode. And so, which I, I don't, I, which I don't love, by the way, because sometimes when you're talking, I just like to put my hand in my head. My I head. think, I think that's I good for you. Yeah. Now, but then it, it looks disrespectful. If I no, I, I actually encourage this. I want you to be, I want you to be disrespectful when I'm talking. I, I want plus, this. My little, plus, if I do it, my little bitty hands will be on camera. <laughs> That's a problem. Dude, you're on television multiple days a week throughout the season. Your hands are on television all the time. Yeah, but I don't think I bring this much attention to them as I do on the podcast. I'm very excited for this. Anyway, the point that I'm making here is that you may never look back, but the capability now for people to go back mm. and clip up videos of us, look out. It's it's going to it's going to be out there. So you might not be able to outrun this. I'm just saying. I was just thinking recently how there's not enough videos of me available on YouTube. Yeah, well, that's about to change. <laughs> that is very much about to change. Um, And a shout, by the way, to Kanata Edwards, Nada, our new producer. He is actually producing this very episode. So it is a thrill to have him on board. And I wanted to give him a proper shout out in advance of our video debut next week again. As I mentioned in previous podcast episodes, if you are listening to this, which you are, because it's not on video, not that. go to the go to the description of this podcast episode. There will be a link to the YouTube show. Tap it and subscribe. You will get alerts every time the show goes up. We can't wait to see you. And if you prefer to go audio only, if you're a 1.5 speeder or if you're a true sociopath and you go like 2.0 speed, hey, listen, keep doing you. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so very much. My title game pick is Purdue over Gonzaga. And the reason why I went with it here is not just because I think these are going to be two best teams. It can be a close game, et cetera, et cetera. This would be heartbreaking truly for Gonzaga to win, to lose a third 
national title game in the past five tournaments. Did I get that right, GP? Past five tournaments, six years. There we go. Because of that um, dumb, dumb, dumb pandemic. The the big man combo of Travion Williams and Zach Eady, potentially Chet Holmgren, Nemhart potential head-to-head point guard battle. Um, everything Purdue brings back would be a fascinating matchup. Tremendous X and O battle, by the way. You talk about Few and Painter, who is A-level when it comes to that kind of stuff. That would be a title game that I'd love, love to see. And it would be all too funny. So you got to be a an every episode listener to get this. But in the offseason, Parrish and I talked about coaches and spots where you can find success. But like winning a national title is like really, really hard. We literally talked about Matt Painter at Purdue and like, like, what do we think the chances are of him ever actually winning a championship at Purdue? Like, we kind of dismissed it out of hand. And uh, I'm going to walk that back. <laughs> so, and I got Purdue. So I'll have the Boilermakers winning the national championship this season in college basketball. Yeah, I actually remember that conversation because um, I'm like, listen, you told me Matt Painter was going to be the co- coach at Kentucky for 10 years. I, I tell you Matt Painter is going to win a national championship, but I'm just not sure he'll ever have the roster at Purdue to actually do it. And then somebody, presumably a Purdue fan, like tweeted at me and was like, um, are you sure he doesn't have the roster this season? And I was like, that's a good point. He might. <laughs> he might. That is that is very much the case. I mean, like, because what what does it usually take? It usually takes um, uh, it, it's some experience mm-hmm. and and some level of NBA talent. Usually, yes. And he's got that. And, and and to speak the obvious, like the genuine coaching acumen. Very rare will you see a coach win a national championship. Where if you talk to other coaches worth their salt, they'll be like, eh, I don't know. It's it's happened, but it's but it is it is not it is not that common. All right, what else we got tournament prediction wise here for this season, GP? So. Um, looking at some possible sleepers, like what team did I not put in the preseason top 25 and one team that's not in your top 26, you one to three fifty a, uh, what team could you envision winning two games in the NCAA tournament making and, and see, that's not even the right way to phrase it. Cause what if they win a first four game? I know, I know, I know, I know. I thought about this. I know what team not in the top 26. Could you envision making the sweet 16? Okay, so my first team that I went to, because I didn't want to go to like the 27th or 28th team or 29th team. So the first team I thought was Arizona, but I thought they're too close to my, they're like in my top 30. I wanted to pick someone a little bit different. And then I was like, oh, I got it. I think UConn's great. Nah, UConn doesn't doesn't count because you've got UConn. You you like the Huskies there. So I did not count uh, UConn. So I was like, all right, let me get a little bit further down. And the team I went with is actually, from a metric standpoint, is is like a genuine sleeper long shot. I'm going Rutgers preseason projected to be the 10th team in the standings in, in both Torvik and Ken Palm uh, number 10 out of 14 big 10 teams are 59th in Torvik GP. So I will go Rutgers here there. I got them 39 in my list, but with the return of Ron Harper jr. Who uh, I know you love geo Baker, who is like, if he can be just a little more consistent, and then uh, I think Cliff Omarui is going to have a phenomenal year as a big for Rutgers. I think he will be one of the most improved players in the conference. They almost made it last season. Remember, they had that game in hand. I guess, would you have been in, I, I'm, I lost track, would you have been in studio for the first weekend last year? Or were you at home when all that stuff was going on? Because that was like a very frenetic, crazy moment when Rutgers had the game in hand against Houston, they blew it. 
Where were you? Do you remember? I, 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 New York. I, I believe I was in. I was in okay. studio for the entire NCAA tournament. You know, in, before going to Indy for the Final Four, I was. I was. I was. There, I basically lived there for like hour long. Now it's now it's now coming back to me. You got to I mean, remember, John uh, John Rothstein was in the bubble. He was. That's right. And that meant I had no days off. It was awesome, but like I, I, I worked basically every day in studio in in Subway Tournament. That's right. That's what I thought it was. I just couldn't remember for certain there. Um, but when that game was happening and like Rutgers had it, and it was a, it was a classic. Like Houston, it speaks to Samson in that program. Like they they have a way of pulling out. Like if it's a tight game with two two and a half to go, if you're not buttoned up, they're gonna steal it from you. They just are gonna do that, and they did it against Rutgers. So point is. A big time season for Rutgers last season. We were great to see them make the tournament because they were good enough the year before. There was no tournament the year before. And so this is the standard where Rutgers is at right now is Peichel has that program and its fan base, even though it's projected to be 10th in both Torvik and Ken Palm. And 10th in the Big Ten is not going to get you the tournament. I don't think it will. Nine, maybe you got a chance. 10 is, that's a tough sell. Not that it's impossible, but I think they'll overperform that, get back to the tournament. And again, this is the long shot. I'm not saying it's over light. It's, Overly likely. I, I like 35 other teams ahead of Rutgers this season. But if you're asking me to pick a, a potential dark horse, just give me a team that's well coached and has two really good players that decided to come back, play for that program and been to the tournament. Rutgers is my pick. I went with a team that we talked about recently because this question was sort of phrased just slightly differently. It was like, what unranked team could end up in the top 10 at some point this season? And my answer was Virginia Tech. And so I would circle back to Virginia Tech on this one. You know, they get five of the top six scores back from a team that made the NCAA tournament. Um, Kebe Aluma, I, I don't think, is a household name. Um, I'm not I'm not sure any college basketball player is a household name, <laughs> but, you know, we're not talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers here. Um, but he's a really good college basketball player who was fabulous last season. And if Virginia Tech exceeds expectations and is, you know, a top 20 team for – for a chunk of this season, uh, it's going to be hard to 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 avoid him because he's a statistical monster. Like you know, led Virginia Tech in points, rebounds, blocks per game. Um, so they bring back five of the top six scores from that team that went to the tournament, and then they add Storm Murphy, who's a transfer from Wofford. He averaged seventeen point eight points, and who knows how that'll translate to the ACC? That's the the. Um, I had a buddy who did uh, some research on this one time like compiled the data and basically i don't want to misquote the data but um the way i remember it was when you transfer up your your production gets cut significantly maybe like almost in half so i I don't think storm murphy's going to average 17.8 points per game um, but the more interesting thing that he did at wofford his last season is he he made 40 percent of his threes and he took 7.3 per game that translates that's just shooting and i don't think he's going to take 7.3 per game although if he can make 40 percent of them i'd let him um but he's gonna he adds shooting to a team that returns a lot of guys that are um accomplished and good virginia tech is it is like if i did a top 25 and two i think they'd be they'd be They'd be 27 in that list. Um, another team that I I had as a, under consideration, USC, but you've got them in your top 26. You know, they bring back six players. 
barring this from David Cobb's Pac-12 preview, but they bring back six players who started at least one game last season, including Isaiah Mobley. They add Boogie Ellis. Um, and then my my team that I would throw in there that is certainly not projected this way by any human or computer is Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State can be good. I think this is going to be Ben Howland's best team in Starkville. Brings back Iverson Molinar, adds Garrison Brooks, adds DJ Jeffries. Like, that's a pretty good, you know, experienced group of three right there. I, I if, if we look up at Mississippi State's, like, you know, ranked 17th in the country in middle of January – I could envision that. I think this is going to be the best team he's had since he since he moved to since he since he left Santa Monica, California, for Startville, Mississippi. I told Ben one time, I was like, "You've got to be the only person in the history of the planet who's ever done that." <laughs> like, I mean, that's sincere. Yes. Who else in, in the history of the planet has moved from Santa Monica because that's where he was living after he left UCLA or was told to leave UCLA? He left Santa Monica, California, for Startville, Mississippi. Nobody's ever done that before. Drastic. Drastic. On the topic of Iris and Molinar, um, you know, Sam Facini, who uh, we'll see if we can get him, squeeze him in before the end of the episode. But I talked to him. He called me from Australia earlier this week. Buzzed me. I just uh, he called me at like 530 Eastern. And I picked up. I go, yeah, what, what time is it where you live right now? FaceTime audioed me. And he was like, it's, it's like it's, you know, it's 830 in the morning. Birds chirping back there. He's 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 doing he's doing good stuff. Anyway, we talked about Iverson Molinar because he saw our top 101 list and he got to a couple. He's like a couple guys. You got too high. A couple guys. You got to. He's like Iverson Molinar. He's all in on Molinar being like top 35 player in the country this year. So he's like, you guys are good to have him on there, but you probably have him like 25, 30 spots too low. So the fact that you bring them up is interesting because he's I don't remember the exact that he referenced. I think he said something like Molinar was the only player in the country last season to go 50, 40. 80% from the line and averaged a certain amount of minutes per game or something like that. Like he was tremendously productive for the amount of time he actually was on the floor there. So keep that in mind. As I mentioned in, I believe the capsule for our top 101, which I wrote about Molinar. He's a classic example of like, I understand we talk about household names and stars in college basketball. There's a relatively small amount, but if you're the kind of person who loves this podcast, follows the sport, he is a vintage example of a extremely Good, entertaining, productive guard at the power conference level where if you're not following the sport, you don't know about him, but he's he is rewarding in and of itself, and he should be why Mississippi State's in that NCAA tournament picture. Personally, I'm a little less on the Bulldogs than GP. I just want to see it. I've got them like fringe tournament team. I've got them first four territory, but definitely can be if that winds up being the case. You, you look at that roster, and if Rocket Watts can get healthy, they are a classic example. First four parish. And almost every single season, we've had a first four team get at least to the second round of the tournament. Like they win that first game, then they win the, the, the round of 64. Mississippi State would fit that description to a T if that's indeed where they wound up this season. Yeah, one thing to remember, and you just touched on it about that team, is they're going to start with multiple injuries. They, they So their rotation isn't going to be uh, what it will eventually be on opening night or even for the first few weeks of a season. So keep that in mind if you see a weird score pop up. Um, they are not healthy to start this season, unfortunately. Before we get out of here, Norlander has put together a list of, of random predictions for this season. So I'm going to let him run through them, and I'll just sit back and tell him when he says something outlandish. Okay, and there we go. Uh, 
Yeah, just a just a little bit of a mix here. I tried to get some some fun stuff, some legitimate stuff. Why not? Let's 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 get a little nutty, okay? Number one. I love how you're always just trying to have fun. I like you know what? Why not? Let's just have a little fun. Let's have a little fun. How about this? This isn't out. This is not outlandish, okay? But I'll, I am, I'll, I'll be the judge of this. That. Is not outlandish. Number one. Drew Timmy's not winning National Player of the Year. Duke's Paulo Bancaro will win. National Player of the Year, and so in doing so, he'll also win National Freshman of the Year. Thoughts? I don't think that's outlandish. I've I've made that point before. Like Drew Timmy should be the pick, but this happens every once in a while in college basketball. Like, and, and it might not even take a week. It's like you look up and you go, "Oh boy, Michael Beasley is something else," or because people forget he was something else. <laughs> I don't know a- if people forget that he was he was. Tremendous. I think people forget about, uh, y- you know, how good Dozier was. I think people forget that. <laughs> he, he had a shot for the championship. I think people forget that. He had a shot for the championship. He did. He did. But I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Like, um, or, uh, so you look up, at, like, I don't have it in front of me, but like, go look up Michael Beasley's opening night numbers. It was out, outrageous what he did. And then he just never stopped doing it. If I remember correctly, like Kevin Durant went to Texas and broke, set all these records. And then Michael Beasley came right behind him and just broke them all. Yeah. At can- um, and it was, it's the fact that it was at Kansas state when he was doing it. It was just, it was, it was completely out of place as we watched it in real time. And then um, Zion, you know, it took a week and it was like, Oh, like Zion went from like, maybe Duke's third best recruit to, Oh God, this guy's the best player in the country. Every once in a while with a freshman, and also with a, 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 a an experienced guy like uh, Adam Morrison did this, you know, by the end of November, it was like, okay, this guy's going to be here all season. Um, Paulo is that type of player. Like you, we could look up very quickly and just go, this guy is going to be the best player in college basketball and the number one pick in the draft. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I, I, I would, I'll, I'll ride with Drew Timmy. That's my preseason pick, but I, it, it is not hard to, to imagine a scenario where Paulo Bencaro is, is the best player in college basketball. Number two, the last undefeated team will fall before January one. And my reason for this, before you respond is I anticipate that the return of a regular schedule, you know, and fans in the stands filled out arenas will have some sort of collective energy thrust upon the sport we might have one or two lingering out there around Christmas, but I did the I did the data on this a couple of years ago. I think on the average date or something like that, I, I did a story on it. This is before, obviously, Gonzaga last year. was like January 18 or something. Like the average date in a given year over the previous 10 seasons when the last undefeated team lost was January 18. So I'm really going early, but I'm saying back end stages of a pandemic is why. Agree or disagree? I think there will be an undefeated team on January 1st. I don't know who it'll be. Right. But I think there will be one. And you know who it could be? I'm just sort of browsing schedules here. Could be your national champion, Purdue. I they mean. Got, they got Tennessee and then Carolina or Villanova early, though, at Mohegan. That's a tough one. Oh, so they're in one of those that's not showing up on it's their. not showing. I got but you it. are right. But if they get through that, what's the next toughest game between then and January I mean, 1? They got, a, they got a neutral against Carolina. Um, they've got a home game against Florida State. Ooh, they got to go to Rutgers. Did you see they changed Rutgers? They changed the rack? What are we doing? 
That's what I thought. They changed the rack. First of all, if I'm Steve Peichel, I'm recruiting as many guys named Mike as possible. Because now it's Jersey Mike's Arena. Is that what it is? Something like that. Jersey Mike. Jersey Mike. If I'm a if I'm a baller named Mike and I want to go play hoop in Jersey, I want to go. I want to go play for Rutgers. Cashing on the NIL, you know, side opportunities. I'm, I'm not with it. It's it's the rack forever. Okay. Right. Get that out of my face. Yeah. Get out of my face with that. All right. So maybe it'll, maybe it'll be Purdue. But I I listen. That's again kind of fun, kind of bold. Last undefeated team falling before January one. How about this one? How about some some optimism? We're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about 5,850 games played the season if most or all go as scheduled. So if the pandemic doesn't go from dumbest to outright idiotic, join me. Zero games canceled due to COVID this season. Talk to me. Zero. I, I would take, I'd take the over. I guess, but I don't think it's going to be very many if, if it, if it is any, um, as our research showed during the candid coaches series, most of these teams are vaccinated and, you know, like there, there's an Aaron Rodgers here or there, but most of these teams are, are either fully vaccinated or nearly fully vaccinated. And the, the, the testing protocols, um, and the, the contact tracing, just isn't going to get them. You know, you, you you will have a breakthrough case here or there. We will have players have to sit out games. That That's going to happen. For sure. Yeah. But what, what really made last season so difficult pre-vaccine is that you'd get two players pop positive and then contact tracing would knock out another seven. And now you can't play. Well, that's just not going to happen this season often. And it might not happen at all. Like this season, if you've got two breakthrough cases – in most places, those two guys are going to have to sit down for a minute. Um, but everybody else is going to be fine as long as they're asymptomatic. I mean, they will not even, you know, conferences are going to do this differently. But for the most part, vaccinated players are not going to be tested at, uh, you know, un unless they're uh, symptomatic. And um, th that's why I'm, I'm super optimistic that this is this season is going to go smoothly. Uh, you know, again, one game out of a billion. You know, that's all it takes to hit the over on zero. That's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I would take the over, but I don't think this is going to be an issue in college basketball this season. And if it yeah. is, I will run my head through a wall. Positive, positive vibes only. Number four, there are 11 Duke road games this season. They are the final 11 road games of Coach K's career. I'm putting the over under on court storms on Duke at 2.5. I've got the under. What do you have and whatever you have over under, pull up that schedule. You got to tell me what teams are going to beat Duke when Duke is on the road and therefore the fans are going to storm the floor. Well, Ohio State could be a place. They got to go to Ohio State. Only non-conference road game on Duke's schedule is Ohio State on November 30. Mm, they've got a back-to-back -back situation on the road in late December, early January at yep. Clemson at Notre Dame. Why don't you scoot on to the very end of that schedule? We got a back to back to back situation. And before that, we got three out of four on the road. Yes. I would say they lose at Ohio state, but maybe that's not worth a court storm. Maybe Buckeye fans hold themselves to a higher standard. They're 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 running on the floor. Okay. So there's one. 
All right. They will either lose at Clemson or at Notre Dame. And that's that's a court storming. It, oh, without a doubt. You got him at you got him at two by you got Duke with two losses when I think there's not going to be an undefeated team left in the sport. Okay. Um, ooh, they, they gotta go to Florida State January 18th. Florida State will storm that court on you. <laughs> oh, it's guaranteed. They've stormed the court on Duke like six times since 2005. <laughs> it feels like I've seen that before. <laughs> I've seen it so many times. Yes. And Ooh, they got a they got a at Virginia at Syracuse at Pitt. Mm-hmm. Buddy Beheim goes for like thirty five, and then it, it leads to a court storming in the carrier. You got four. I t- I don't know that I have four, but I will take over two and a half. Okay, I'm gonna. By the way, court storming it, it, it doesn't make any sense. There's nothing. Uh, yeah, but uh, oh, but get ready for it to return uh, with more fury than we've ever seen before. I'm not only against court storming because it's dangerous. It is actually dangerous. I'm also against it because there's nothing to do once you're out there. It's, it's, not like, there. it's like, like, all right, what do we do now? Like, it's just. We going to Jeff's house tonight? Like, yeah, well, yeah. exactly. But, you know, what? Like, like if they had a football, you got to like, you got to burn some calories to like to get down there middle of the field. Like, you know, you got a big pole you can climb. You can climb the field goal post. There's something I, I, to do. Just try to tear that down. They always try to tear that down. So you can you can participate, contribute to the possible teardown of a field goal post. But when, once you're on a basketball court, it's like, all right, now what? Like if they 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 need to put a big bar out there and everybody can get drinks and hang out and talk, you know, and try to, you know, try to hook up, whatever. But <laughs> like, you know, basketball court's a little bit different. But it makes for a it still makes for a, you know, we're on the same page here but uh it makes for a nice scene up until somebody gets paralyzed from the neck down exactly all right number five the one thing i love about this sport is every single postseason is unique there has never been and never will be the same exact set of ncaa tournament teams this season i've got 10 teams that were single digit seeds last season not getting back to the tournament at all so these were single digit seeds and i can give you one of them with 100 certainty Oklahoma State will not be in the 2022 NCAA tournament. Also, I've got Iowa, Creighton, Missouri, Colorado, LSU, Wisconsin, Georgia Tech, West Virginia, and Clemson. Those are 10 teams not dancing in March that were not only dancing last March, but were single-digit seeds. My question for you is, which one, two, or three am I most ridiculous about here that you think are going to not only get in, but you tend to lean that they'll get in with some, some room to spare. Well, we got Clemson storming the court on Duke and not making the NCAA tournament all in about a three minute span. If anyone can do that as a program, it's Clemson. One started like 21 and 0 and made the NIT. So (laughs) it sounds like shouts to Oliver Purnell. Yeah, exactly. I named my, I named my middle boy after Oliver Purnell, Oliver (laughs) Purnell Parish. Right. OPP. (laughs) OPP. Um, yes, that Clemson could absolutely, uh, storm the court on Duke and, and make the NIT that the most Clemson thing ever. Um, I think West Virginia, I mean, I'm just going to trust Bob Huggins. I'll trust Bob Huggins. Okay. I hate that LSU suffered a preseason injury, but I could still see them getting there. I could still see them getting there. Yeah. So those those two? Yeah, those two. I, 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 I'm going Bob Huggins and Will Way. Okay, fair enough. It's a heck of a one-two right there. 
Bob Huggins will wait. They'd uh, they'd have some short stories to share over uh over uh belly up to the bar. All right, number six, also tournament related. Gonzaga, USC, Baylor, Arkansas, Houston, UCLA, Oregon State, Michigan. You got to get these lists trimmed down a little bit. I can't. You now you're about to ask me something. I'm like I can't even remember all the things you said. Gonzaga, USC, Baylor, Arkansas, Houston, UCLA, Oregon State, Michigan. God. Those were the Elite Eight teams from last season. I've only got two making it that far again. Give me Gonzaga and the Bruins. I know you agree with this because you have them in your final. You have them in their title game. But those are the only two that made it to the regional finals last season who I think will make it to the regional finals minimally again this season. You got Baylor, Arkansas, Houston, Oregon State, Michigan. There's some reasonable teams that could get back there, but I've only got those two. What about you? Uh, I'd have to reference the top 25 and one. You don't, you don't have to, if you're feeling like, if you're feeling in your bones right now that you're going to ride with beaver fever and Oregon state's going to do this two years in a row, just roll with it. I'm not rolling with beaver fever again. Okay. For the record, I never rolled with beaver fever. I enjoyed it, but I didn't roll with it. All right. Got a $17.2 million contract extension. How awesome was that? I could see Baylor getting back. Obviously I've got them ninth in the top 25 and one. Um, and if you're ninth in the top 25 and one, there's nothing crazy about maybe making, you know, the elite eight of the NCAA tournament. So I could see Baylor getting there. That's it. Okay. I can't remember the, and I mean, Arkansas, I could obviously see getting oh, there. That's why I, I was opening the door because you had him as your, as your pick there. Okay. Yeah, number- I, I Arkansas 10th in the top 25 and one. So I, Baylor, Arkansas, also candidates to join Gonzaga UCLA in the final four. All right. Number seven. Uh, this one's for the mid-major lovers out there. Max A. Smith. Led the nation in scoring last season. Antoine Davis in previous seasons has been a top three scorer in America. I actually think these two dudes are going to give us a fun little side story this season. Give me those guys giving us one of the better. Now, we don't really care too much about who leads the nation in scoring in college basketball, generally speaking. When Trey Young was doing it and leading the nation in assists, it was certainly a, a major storyline. We talked about it, did over-under on the podcast and all that good stuff. But I think that these guys are going to put up more than 26 a game and give us like it's not common in college basketball where the scoring chase between players is that they're they're dropping that many a game like i think they're going to be pretty close one two overall and they're gonna just be like we might just open the occasional podcast being like we don't have too much to say about detroit mercy but good god antoine davis just dropped 39 you know that kind of deal so i think that those two will be our one two in scoring in some sort of combination and in doing so um well, at least, you know, Ace Miss because he goes in as a preseason All-American. But if Detroit Mercy can be halfway decent, like, yeah, the, you'll have two guys in the conversation for some All-America, you know, consideration at the end of the season. One of the wild differences between the NBA and college basketball is that in the NBA, you're always talking about who's leading this league in scoring. Who's going to get a scoring title? You know, is it Steph? Ooh, John Morant's in the top five now, whatever. College basketball, we never talk about it. Max Tasman's led the country in scoring last season. We never said his name on the podcast until the NCAA tournament. I don't think. I agree. But once they were in the tournament and winning, then we referenced it every single time we talked about Oral Roberts. By the way, they got the guy who's leading the country in scoring, you know, that kind of thing. But you're right. Yeah, the thing thing people don't realize is that (laughs) a little guard there, he led the nation in scoring. No, the scoring titles in college basketball, like it just doesn't register unless – it's like J.J. Redick and Adam Morrison or something like that. I don't even know if they competed for the scoring title that year. But, like, uh, the, the issue with this it is the leading score in the nation is often somebody from a 
off the radar school. Yes. And so it's just not something most people pay attention to. If memory serves correct, uh, listeners, feel free to just find me and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Morrison led the nation in scoring that year when he uh, he and Reddick shared player of the year uh, uh, awards. All right, number eight. Seven guys at new gigs this season are going to make the tournament in their first year. Tell me if you disagree or if I missed one, tell me who you'd add to this. And I could, I, this is a lot of these are power conference coaches. I considered every single coach at a new spot, but as it usually goes, if you're taking over a mid-major program, you're usually not in a position to make the tournament. So I go Texas and Chris Beard, Chris Beard's former school, Texas tech. will get there with Mark Adams, Hubert Davis at UNC. We'll get there. I'm going to give a shout by the way to Nada. He has in this notes here. He said his one prediction this season is that the UNC Tar Heels are going to win the ACC with Hubert Davis. That's a little bold, a little spicy, but I like it, Nada. Um, so yeah, I got, I got Hubert getting there. Tommy Lloyd, Arizona, going to get there. I think Porter Moser is going to get there, but like first four, maybe maybe just misses first four in. I got his former school, Loyola Chicago, getting there with Drew Valentine in his first season. And then I have the Indiana Hoosiers with Mike Woodson getting there and getting there as like a five or six seed. I, I do like Indiana's potential this year. So those are my seven. Anyone that you disagree with or that you would add to that list? I could certainly see them all getting there. I'm, I'd be, I'm not skeptical of Porter, but I'm skeptical of this Oklahoma team, the roster that is in place. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure that I would have Oklahoma in a projected NCAA tournament bracket. Okay, fair enough. Number nine, over under Eric Musselman shirtless celebrations in the locker room. 4.5 for the entire season. I'm going over. What are you going with? Over, over 4.5 means that man's got to be on video topless five times at least. That seems like a lot. It seems excessive. Five and 35 chances. I don't know if that's excessive. He's how old is Muss? I'm going to say Muss off the top of my head. I'm going to say Muss is 54. He's in for, incredible shape for, for an older gentleman. He is. He is. Listen, no shame. Everyone's got that guy or at least had that guy in their social group, right? Like I, I can tell you right now, there was guy in college, if there was an opportunity for him to walk around without a shirt on, he was doing it. And that's what Muss is. And there's no, there's no shame in it. Whatever. Do what you got to do. Were you that guy, Parrish? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Dude, I don't even take my shirt off at home now, ever. I, the, the only time I take my shirt off is when I get into a shower. And even then, I, I'm in the shower before I take it off. <laughs> I get in the shower and then I take my shirt off and I throw it out of the shower. Oh my gosh. This is phenomenal. Oh my God. I, I, I have swim shirts, the whole deal. I got swim shirts. I'm not trying to die of UV rays. That's what I say. People are like, yeah. why are you wearing a swim shirt? I'm like, I'm not trying to die of UV rays. I, I make myself sound responsible. Truth is I just hate myself. <sighs> Do you have Musa's age? <laughs> Let me find <laughs> Must is it? I'm I was just I was curious because we got I'm saying I'm saying 54. Wikipedia can tell no lies, right? What does it say? Rick 56. 56. Good on him, man. Staying in shape. Are you going over under four point? You went under. I went over. Yeah, I think I unless like he's just gonna like whip Mercer on opening night and take his <laughs> shirt off. Like there's only so many opportunities <laughs> to take your shirt off if you're the coach of a preseason, you know, top uh, 15 team. I don't know how many opportunities you're going to have to do it. Okay, although, I, although, although it would be hilarious. Oh, so good. Like beat Mercer by 25 on, on you know, next Tuesday. And when he comes into the locker room with his shirt oh, all fired up. That's incredible. I hope so. The next one, got three more quickies before we get out of here. You have agency over the next one. Number 10. 
Over under Devin Downey shoutouts by GP on CBS Sports Network this season. I'm setting at 2.5, and I am taking the over. He does usually get in one, and sometimes he'll get a little he'll get a little uh, hockey assist from Stover or maybe Zook. Um, so, but I'm going over 2.5. Devin Downey's on the set this season. Can you make it happen? I can easily make it happen. <laughs> like, you know, this is, I'm in charge of what comes out of my mouth. I could easily do it. The problem is to do it where it um, is at least reasonable. Um, you need like a, a South Carolina victory and we're dealing with the highlight, a South Carolina highlight. Yes. Uh, it's going to be tough. <laughs> it might be tough, you know? The South Carolina has got to be playing and winning on the same day that you're on the set. I didn't think about this. Yeah. And like, that, that's Tough. the problem. How often am I in studio when they're playing and how often are they going to win when they play? I think that's the bigger question. How often are they going to win when they play the, 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 my, my, my more, uh, what I'm more likely to do is anytime I have, a um, one of my little homies from Memphis in the highlight package, I can reference him as my little homie from Memphis. <laughs> I do that quite often. <laughs> I, I do recall. Um, two more. One, as I record this podcast with you right now, got a dead mouse in the walls. Just just a worst smell. You ever deal with that, GP? No. What is going – where do you live? What I are mean, you talking about? We got traps, you know, outside in the basement. They go get the poison. They get into the walls, and they die. Like, it happens, like, once or twice a year. It smells horrendous in my office right now. But what? this is just what you do. I would never let I would never let a, a mouse. Yeah, they eat the off. poison, then it takes a little bit for it to kick in. And then, why are you poisoning mice? I'm not going to let them roam free in my house, GP. What are we talking about? It's getting cold in the Northeast, so they're coming indoors. Like it just a, it's a na- anyway because when what I was working, I don't have, we don't have a mice problem. Excuse me, okay. <laughs> we got we got the occasional you know poisonous trap little baggies. Here we go. Anyway. Over under on dead animals found on my property in the next six months, one point five. Give me the under. I'll go over. You're always no. dealing with something. You're always you're always dealing with something up there. Like you you northeasterners, like you think you think we're the hillbillies down here in in the south. And the truth is, I don't wake up with dead animals in my yard or have mice in my walls. Pretty normal, pretty normal situation. I mean, you might run into some wild flags when you're driving the kids to school, <laughs> but I'm not dealing with dead animals too often. I'll take the dead deer in my front yard. For new listeners, that happened a couple of uh, years ago. We were literally getting ready to record an episode early in the morning, and I looked out, and there was just a deer gashed to hell in my front yard, straight out of a David Lynch movie. My final one. Mm. This is just kind of a, a commentary, uh, but also a prediction because I got to talking with Vassini about this as well. So when we get to the 2022 Final Four, it will have been three years since we've had a proper Final Four with the conventions, all the coaches, everyone in the industry, ADs, agents, media, right? All that. And this year, it's going to be in New Orleans. Okay. So first of all, that city has a habit, although it doesn't host Final Fours a ton, they usually get at least one really, really good game. They've had some really obviously famous and incredible championship games there. I think this year's Final Four is going to get out of hand in the best of ways just because, you know, we're going to be at the end of a traditional NCAA tournament. It's been a decade since we've had the Final Four in New Orleans and this, you know, setup of of getting, like, the Final Four is just an incredible thing to experience, to cover all of it. As you well know, and New Orleans is one of the very best cities. This is kind of my send-off as we get ready to start this, the season next week. I just can't wait to experience that, GP, once we get to April because, I understand why Indianapolis is considered a great setup and San Antonio is awesome. 
I've only covered one Final Four in New Orleans. It is my favorite city for this. And the idea that we're going to get our first regular Final Four and it's in New Orleans, I can't wait for that. It's exhausting. (laughs) It's too much. The thing I love about Indianapolis is that there's beautiful hotels, great restaurants, and the dome, and it's all right there within walking distance. And stuff closes. They tell you you did nothing else to do. It's time to go home. Like every once in a while, we'll end up in that cigar bar. <laughs> you know that place? Oh, I remember. Like every once in a while, you'll end up in the cigar bar, whatever that place is called, yeah. uh, in, in downtown Indianapolis a little later than you wish. But, it, it, you know, the night's over. The night ends. New Orleans, if you don't want the night to end, it doesn't have to. And I'm not good with places like that. I need to be told to go home. Even if I have no interest in going, like I might say, I might say, um, I don't want to uh, go out tonight or I'm tired or I'm, but once I'm in it, I'm in it. And then I, I need somebody to tell me to go home. Nobody in New Orleans ever tells you to go home. That's a problem. I know, man, but I'm looking forward to it. Season starts next week. Going to video again, subscribe in the podcast description or go to either our Twitter feeds and the Ion College Basketball Twitter feed. Be sure to follow that as well. We can't wait to see you and uh, season right around the corner. Let's do it. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Ish Wainwright, legend. Shouts to Lauren. Now, thank you guys for listening once again to the Iron College Basketball Podcast, middle of the dumb pandemic of my lifetime. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. Rate it. Review it. Five stars. Nice words. We will talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.